you're listening to a podcast from St. Benedict's Table, a congregation of the Anglican Church of Canada, located in Winnipeg, Manitoba. May only truth be spoken and truth received. Amen. So over the past few weeks, we have heard many, many words from the book of Luke. Many words about the up-and-coming births that were happening. Firstly, John the Baptist, his parents, Zachariah and his mother Elizabeth, who was visited by Mary, which leads us nicely into the next birth. Luke tells us all about that one. He goes into great detail about the who, the what, the where, and the why of Jesus' birth. Having made it clear that a grand and galactic events were afoot, Luke reminds us that faith finally has to cling to God's plan. And things are not going to be as obvious as angels dancing in the skies. Today in our readings we return to the real world, complete with all the signs that chaos is in charge. But with very few words... Luke transitions from the end of John's ministry, a preaching mission, to the beginning of Jesus' public ministry. And he does that with half a sentence. All the words we've had about the birth and then this massive change, and it's half a sentence. That transition that is marked by Jesus' baptism. The people have traveled into the wilderness of the desert to hear John. And they're wondering if John is, might be the Christ, the Messiah that they've been waiting for, the servant of Isaiah that, has been, that Isaiah has referenced so often. But John lets them know that he's just a guy. Another one, one empowered by the Holy Spirit, is coming, one to whom John himself reverences. That's the one who's coming. That's the one who's on his way. Now, up until this point, John's preaching has been all about judgment and repentance. So knowing what we know now, it begs the question, why does Jesus go to be baptized? Surely, Jesus doesn't need to repent of anything. According to Luke, we know that Jesus was baptized with all the people, and maybe that's all we do need to know. Jesus simply got in line with everyone else who had been broken by the wear and tear of this pretty selfish world. It was an act of solidarity with a world of brokenness that God reveals the identity of the awaited Messiah, the Christ. And what we find out is he's one of us. The Christ is not some disembodied spirit that swoops down from the stars and lays waste to the unrighteous. He's a human being, just like you and me. So when the line of the downtrodden people formed in the hopes of a new beginning through a return to God, Jesus simply joins them. And maybe that is something that we have forgotten as a church writ large. Jesus identifies with the people who need God. It asks of us as a church, are we willing to get in line? It certainly makes me think about the one standing in line at a food bank or a soup kitchen, needing something from others, 
I'm much more comfortable doing the serving than I am what the one needing to be served. I'm the one in the water up to my knees saying, come on in, let's do this, let's get the baby wet, whatever. As the church, we declare that we are a refuge for those who have lost their way. But too often we send the message that respectable and successful folks are what we really need to build up our communities. I do wonder what it's like to stand in line, and more importantly, I question myself as to whether I am willing to stand in line. But that's my struggle. So for all of Luke's words, Luke does not have Jesus say a single thing during the process of his baptism, but notes that afterwards he went to pray, Jesus went to pray, So Jesus does not come alongside the searchers alone. He goes to them with God in prayer. Jesus knows that he can't do this alone in his own strength and his own own ability. And that is why in our own baptismal ritual, we ask a question of the congregation. We ask, will you do all in your power to support and uphold this new life in Christ. And we ask the candidate questions too about making this thing real in their lives. And the response to each time is, I will with God's help. We don't get to do this alone. The source of strength to carry out the work that needs to be done is far beyond ourselves even beyond Jesus' human capacity, his human capacity. The Holy Spirit is the one who strengthens and encourages us along the way. This need for a practice of prayer becomes even more evident when times are tough. The disciples learn this posture of prayer from Jesus, as the Spirit will give to them time and time again the capacity to love and to love again as they live themselves through their faithful ministry. Again, it is worth asking the church, how much do we depend on the Holy Spirit and our prayer connection with God for the spiritual stamina that we need to make a difference? And then the text tells us, and the heavens opened. It is not an insignificant detail that when Jesus is in prayer, God breaks through. And witnessed is another expression of Emmanuel, God with us. This time in the form of a dove, the Holy Spirit descends upon the beloved. Then Jesus hears God say these unbelievably important words of love and affirmation and identity. You are my son, the beloved. With you I am well pleased. Roughly translated, as I have heard my dad say on occasion, that's my girl, I'm proud of her. What is incredible and shocking and unexpected and even scandalous is that in our baptism, God also says the same. That's my girl, and I'm proud of her. That's my boy, and I'm proud of him. This powerful affirmation, this calling from God will sustain Jesus through his desert time, through his temptation time, and through the times when he is challenged by the powerful. 
So yet again, it may be worth asking the church whether it is sustained by knowing that it is named and claimed by God. For each one of us, we are sustained, or are we sustained by the claim that we are a beloved child of God? Do we accept baptism as a message of mercy and forgiveness, as an invitation to discipleship and communion? But that is for each one of us to answer. Now, I consider baptism as one of the perks of my job. It is an honor and a privilege to make those affirmations and to claim publicly a person of God's creating. My favorite bit is when I get the oil and I have it on my thumb and I get to say, I sign you with a cross and I mark you as Christ's own forever. It makes me tingle all over just now. <laughs> and yes, there have been times when I cry more than the baby cries, but that is a, another story. But for me, it is so important because faith calls me to believe that God knew that child before its parents did. Faith calls me to believe that each one of us has an identity, an individuality, and a dignity that should never be abused. Human existence has its origin not in accidents or instances of biology, but in God. It is an act of immeasurable grace. We need to hear that affirmation from God. And we need to hear it from each other. You are my child, my beloved. With you, I am well pleased. Those words changed Jesus' life forever. Let them change yours. So to close, I am going to say the prayer that is prayed over the newly baptized. And in the rubrics, it says to us that this is in the full sight of all the congregation. So... Heavenly Father, we thank you that by water and the Holy Spirit, you have bestowed upon these your servants the forgiveness of sin and have raised them to the new life of grace. Sustain them, O Lord, in your Holy Spirit. Give them an inquiring and discerning heart, the courage to will and to persevere, a spirit to know and to love you, and the gift of joy and wonder of all your works. Amen. You've been listening to a St. Benedict's Table podcast. For more information on our church or to provide support for our online work, visit us at stbenedictstable.ca.